fucking high. <laughs> it's so good to swear. Um, if you listen to the last episode, um, you'll no doubt be very impressed that I managed to make that through an entire episode without swearing. It wasn't actually that hard. Um, I got stuck a little bit there when I said what the, and then I literally could not think of a word to replace fuck, um, which is a concern, but it's fine. It's over. I did it. Now I can go back to normal. Um, so yep. Now this episode is actually a re-record. This is the first time I've had to do a re-record. Um, I'm not the most technologically advanced person. Um, I've had to get my boyfriend to help me set up GarageBand on this computer and set up the microphones and everything because I'm just not good at it. Um, that's okay, we don't have to be good at everything. Um, he used to be in a band, he knows his shit. So yeah, GarageBand, he's all over it. Anyway, he used to be in an actual band by the way, um, which is just a fun fact for you. Um, anyway, uh, this is not about him. Uh, I'm doing a re-record because I had the lovely cat um, Harvey Barricat on a couple of weeks ago um, and we had the best chat. It was amazing. Um, so deep, um, so raw, so everything that Mind Gold is um, and I was so pumped to put the episode out and then I listened back to it and I was like, motherfucker, like the sound was the worst. It was just like crackly the whole time, super fucked. Um, one of my good friends actually took it upon himself to try and fix it for me. Um, and he did the best that he could, but it was still an absolute dog's dick. So we have to re-record. Um, but that's okay because you don't always get it right the first time. And I've learned the valuable lesson of not adjusting the microphones after you've already done a test. So we've got this. Um, now I just wanted to talk a little bit before Kat gets here, because you know I always do that, um, about what she does and how I know her. So she is um, probably one of my favorite, oh definitely one of my favorite, possibly even my actual favorite, um, yoga teacher. And yoga is something that I have been practicing for about 18 months. And it was certainly something that I didn't used to always think um, was cool. That's my washing finishing by the way, very productive today. Um, didn't always used to think it was cool coming from um, a quite high in high intensity sort of sport uh, like CrossFit which I used to do um, I just didn't really see the benefit in yoga I thought it was slow I thought it was boring I thought it was for pussies basically um, then I went through like a really fucking traumatic breakup um, and I just needed to focus on something that wasn't CrossFit um, something that provided me with not only the space to get away from <laughs> this person, um, but also just some time to just focus on me um, in a room full of people that I didn't know and who weren't talking about me behind my back. Um, so I started doing yoga and I just fucking loved it. Um, as per my usual um, modus operandi, I just went fucking full on, got a membership went every day. Um, I just thrashed it basically for a solid uh, three months um, before I kind of realized that it is actually pretty hard. You are actually doing quite a lot. If you're doing that as well as training, uh, you may want to consider, you know, not being a psycho. <laughs> uh, so now I've got a little bit more of a um, non-psychotic routine with it. Um, currently I'm practicing about five times a week. However, um, 
I do half yin and half vinyasa. So yin is a um, a more it's, it's like a you're like holding poses basically. So you might do four or five poses for the full hour, but you're just literally holding them for minutes at a time. It's a really good way to um, re just relax your body, relax your mind when you do a high level sport. Um, like now I do weightlifting, um, high level as in it's hard, <laughs> not as in I'm great. Um, I find that it's quite the opposite of that. Um, so I'm really enjoying that and I do a vinyasa, uh, which is the more harder, um, sweaty, uh, difficult poses, um, all that kind of stuff. So Kat is very, very good at both. Um, so yeah, that's why she's here basically. Um, she's someone that inspires me a lot. Um, she's just got a totally gives no fucks um, attitude of authenticity and just badassness. Um, so yeah, that's why she's here. Kat, thank you so much for coming back <laughs> for this episode. Oh my God, I'm so stoked that I'm here to do this or something. No, <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Um, but seriously, so stoked that you came back. Um, technical difficulties aside, that was like one of my favorite episodes. Aww. So let's try and recapture the magic mm -hmm. um, this time. And you've just come from a Sunday morning session. Yep, I sure have. Sweaty hair in tow. Amazing. Um, so I was just saying how I've found such a, like, a level of stillness from yoga that I don't find in weightlifting and in like any of the rest of my life, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's my favorite part about it. Amazing. I love that that's your favorite part. Yeah. Mm. And I, don't, I feel like I'm never comparing myself to someone else. I mean, sometimes I'm like looking at someone's like clothes and being like, oh, I like that bra. Yeah. You know, or mm, wouldn't have worn those pants. But <laughs> outside of that, I'm not really looking at someone else's pose and being like, oh, they're better than me. Yeah. Or I think that's also one of my favorite parts about it. Yeah, I think um, what I really love about yogs is that it's it's never a team sport and it's not competitive. So it's um it's really just you and the one the one way so there's like a yogic bible and it's not actually a bible but it's just like the the guidelines or whatever. But um it it's called the Bhagavad Gita and in it it describes yoga as a journey of the self through the self to the self. And really you're just there by yourself. So if you are there to compare yourself to other people, then the practice would ask you why. Yeah. What is the comparison fulfilling in you? You know, like what if you just looked at who you were on the mat on that day and you just noticed that instead of trying to compare yourself to who you were before or after or the person next to you or whatever. Oh, I needed to hear that so much. <laughs> Fuck, because that's me and literally every other thing and I'm always yeah. comparing myself to who I used to be or who I want to be mm. rather than who I am in that yeah. moment. And that's a real um, trap of the ego, you know? It's the worst. And I'm not saying that ego is a bad thing because, you know, we need it, especially in our day and age and just living the life that we live. But yoga is all about bringing you back to the truth that you are. And if you were to peel away your name and your birthday and where you lived and what you did and who your family was and what language you spoke, then who are you simmering underneath that? And it's not actually the things that you can define yourself with on your resume that give you substance. It's, it's the stuff underneath. And it's really interesting. I just... Um, read this quote and I'm going to completely fucking butcher it but it was something about a man lives two lives or a woman lives two lives there's the life that he lives awake but in the in the dark and then there's the life that he lives um, asleep but in the light 
and what that Ooh, means. Okay, I like that. <laughs> my my version of what that means is that we are all. Oh God, this has gotten real deep real fast. This one's too, mate. <laughs> so before we have a physical body, we have a soul, we have a light body, and it's that part of us that's never born and never dies, and it goes on and on and on and lives all the past lives and whatever. And when we are reincarnated in this this plane, this physical plane, then we forget everything that we have known from every other past life. We forget the lessons that we learned between lives. And if you know you ascribe to a lot of what the spiritual teachings teach you, if you subscribe to the fact that we choose every single situation in our life, every trauma, every great thing, every dickhead person who we have to deal with, every person who um, who victimizes us, if you if you understand that we choose that, then it gives us a different meaning to our life. Um, but yoga is all about remembering that light body and remembering who we are between lives and remembering who we are in the past lives. It's not the person, it's not our meat suit that we make ourselves up to be every single day. The meat suit. It's the meat suit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not all of that. So the person who is awake, but, um, in the dark, they're the ones who are always trying to find their way back to themselves. You know what I mean? And the person who's asleep but in the light might have all of the really great things like all the money all the stuff, there's no issue or whatever, but you know, we all know that they're on some level, they're, they're a little bit unhappy, you know, that's why they need all the watch and the car and the this and the that. So, um, yeah, they're the people who are asleep in the light and that's my story. Fuck. I love that. Got real deep, real fast. I would, didn't it? <laughs> I would like to think I'm awake in the dark, yeah. but there's definite moments of being the opposite and it's, 100%. I think it would be quite hard to stay on that dark path <laughs> the whole time. But I mean, I think that we, we tend to shame the dark, but just as much as we look to the light as if it is divinity, it is God, it is grace, the dark, and you know, in the light, there's nothing else, right? There's the absence of color, there's the absence of dark, there's the absence of shadow. So when you are in that complete darkness, like when your soul fucking plummets into those places of complete darkness, you're still sitting in the space of divinity, right? But it's, it's just the complete opposite. So it's the yin to the yang. You know, like you're sitting in, it's still, it's still all divinity. It is still all creation, but it comes from the darkness and it's not the light. So it feels uncomfortable. It yeah. feels like what you don't expect light to feel like, yeah. basically. And yeah. I also believe that, you know, we all here in English speaking countries have mostly grown up with the idea of Christianity as being the paradigm. You know, we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate Easter, blah, blah, blah. And that inherently, it teaches us that there is light and dark and there is good and bad and there is God and the devil. But are they not the same thing? You know? You have to believe in one to believe in the other. Well, basically. it's all the same, really, yeah. isn't it? It is the oneness. So all light is oneness and all dark is oneness. And we are just kind of living different uh, fractals of that as we go through. I was brought up Christian. Right. Um, and I was forced to go to church till I was, like, in my teens. Yeah. And then I, like, you know, rebelled and did all the things and yeah. that kind of whole story. But I found it was... It was really hard for me to tear myself away from those kind of constructs. Yeah. And it's still, I still find it hard. Mm. Um, but questioning that conditioning is also what yoga is about. Journey of the self, through the self, to the self. So, you know, I feel like I'm pretty liberal with my thoughts. I feel like I'm very um, open and understanding to anything people throw at me like if they're like i want to have sex with a tree i will legitimately try and understand where they're coming from you get bark in your dick well i don't fucking know i've never tried mate (laughs) but for those people who have i'm like cool i like genuinely want to understand what what's going on for you and how how that makes sense or 
you know, like I have quite a few friends who are trans or people who are pan, like I'm, I work with quite a few people who are pansexual and whatever. And I'm very open to it. But, um, you know, there was a while not that long ago where I would have judged them so quickly and so, um, and so sharply for not doing what I knew to be okay or what I knew to be right, you know. And it's, it's really yoga, like journey through yourself. Like what, what the fuck was I taught that I have to judge people for how they choose to have sex or live their life or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand that. Um, And religion has some really beautiful parts about it, you know, some really, really amazing stuff. And then it's got some other things where there's the construct around the church and the things that hold you in and, you know, the dogma, which is the thing that a lot of people start to question as they get older or as they start to evolve or whatever it might be. So for you, perhaps... It's just you got to the point where you're like, oh, okay, it doesn't all work for me and now I need to start to question it. And it takes fucking forever. Conditioning is so laid on us from the time that we are born. Yeah. You know? You've got years of that. Like I was brought up to believe that gay people went to hell. Yeah. If you didn't believe in God, you went to hell. Yeah. Pretty much. It's hard. You went to hell. Everyone went to hell. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, now I just can't even imagine how anyone could have those thoughts and believe that that's a thing yeah and i've spoken to my parents about it as an adult and been like how could you have how could you have told me that as a mm. child like but they were told that and yep. and how would they have known to question that yeah obviously they certainly don't believe that anymore yeah but they had to decondition themselves just as much as i've had to but the conditioning isn't just in religion it's in everything implicit it's in science you know, like right now, the medical science that we believe to be true is just a paradigm. And a couple of thousand years ago, it was completely different. It was well, not even a couple hundred years ago. It was about herbs and how nature can heal us. Um, before that, you know, like there are still parts of the world that believe in shamanism and how, you know, our vibration creates disharmony in the body and whatever. But in the West, in Western society, we believe that medicine, Panadol, medicine is Panadol. I get that. <laughs> the doctor, they are our God. Right? They don't believe that the body is inherently capable of healing itself if we take the time to look in. You know, But in so many other cultures and in not that far, if we look not that far back in human history, we see that that whole paradigm is different. You know, So conditioning is everywhere and it's implicit. It's not just in the things that we know, right? Like, oh, maybe we should love gay people and not hate them. You know, God, that sounds horrible. To all my gay friends, I love you so much. You know that. <laughs> I'm so on your side. Um, <laughs> But um, it's not in the things that we're starting to become a little more away to. It's all, the, it's all that undercurrent that we're still, you know, that still simmers underneath. Like, my husband and I own a burger shop, and the amount of misogynistic fucks that I have to deal with every single day who don't even look at me, they just look at my husband and speak to him because I'm not worth anything because I'm a woman. Fuck. Like, that is just, it's just this implicit misogyny that, that's under everything else. And where does that come from, right? Like, it, it comes from that conditioning that the whole society still subscribes to, whether we're, whether we're vocal about it or not, that men are superior to women, right? And it's, it's always there. It's always there. Conditioning is fucking everywhere. That everywhere in there. Fucking, <laughs> I, like, I rage when people tell me stories like that. And when I have it happen to me, yeah. yeah. Look, let's just say we've lost a few customers, but YOLO! <laughs> <laughs> Not the better ones. No. Well, I mean, you don't want those dickheads around you, right? No. Mm. So, anyway. the burger shop's a new thing. Yes, But yes. you've had quite a journey mm. from events, mm -hmm. from dancing, when you were younger. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So, uh, when I was younger, I 
uh, just started dancing when I was three and I loved it and like real sick, real fast, loved it. I didn't even think I could fucking walk when I was three. Oh my God. I was like <laughs> obsessed and like, it, it probably wasn't dancing, you know, like I was just like wiggling. <laughs> um, and then by the time I was probably eight or nine, I was, I was head first in and by the time I was 11, so for those of you out there who have never met me, I'm nearly six foot tall. I'm 176 centimetres. And I've been this height since I was 14. Fuck. So I, I was tall quick, right? Like I was one of those beanpole kids that just was so, so tall. When I was like 11 years old, I looked like I was 18, you know? Um, so I started competing at a very high level from a very young age because my body like did all the things. I was super flexy. I was really strong. I was all the things so I could compete really high. Um, sorry, I could compete like in the open levels when I was, you know, very young. Anyway, so I did that and I really flogged myself. And then when I was 17, I found out that all the bones in my feet started to fuse together and it was pulling all the tendons off my heel so I couldn't walk properly. And that was pretty shit. And I spent a whole year um, seeing a podiatrist five times a week to realign my feet the way that a chiropractor realigns your back horrible um and then after all of that like while I was going through that I was in year 12 so I had to scale back my dancing but um I couldn't use my feet in the same way that I knew to use my feet so you know the point that I had through my toes and even how the muscles I had built you know through my feet just never really worked the same and I kind of almost gave up because I was devastated um because through my dancing I competed internationally won lots and lots of national and a few international um, accolades and whatever so I was pretty devastated to lose that and then I um, went to uni and I was working in so I studied events and marketing and um, I was in retail and I was like retail fucking sucks there has to be another way to earn a dollar (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, and so I became a PT sucked at it like fucking sucked I just was so bad. To... I fucking sucked when I first oh started. I read God. some of the programs I got people to do. I'm like, what does this mean? Like, why are they doing this? Yeah, I just didn't even really like trying to help people who just didn't want to help themselves. That was my problem. Yeah, that's quite a challenge for sure. I, my programs probably sucked as well, but I just, I just didn't have the passion for it. Um, but what that did spark in me was just like a love for the gym. And lifting all the heavy things was really fun. And... Um, my mum is from New Zealand, so my body was, you know, pretty primed for lifting the heavy things. Got, got the warrior genes in the thighs and the butt. Thank you, Maori gods. Um, so I did that for a bit, and then I found yogs after I started my corporate job because my back was really shit. I love how when people discover the thing that becomes like their passion and their everything, it's usually because of a negative yeah. event that's led to it. It's 100%. the same for me in weightlifting, and it's also the same with me in yoga. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, well, I love that Steve Jobs quote, you know, it's not until you look back and you see all the dots that you can see the path that you've always been walking down or whatever. Um, and that's so true, you know, like starting dancing and being so obsessed with it from such a young age meant that I... Um, I developed this really awesome understanding of my body and then I could take that into the, and then obviously the sore back happened and then I found yoga and then I found a lot of the movement of dance, not the movement, but the connection that I had to my body in dancing. I found that in yoga and then it was just great and life is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love that. Yeah, well, it's the truth. I mean, yoga obviously has its own... My journey with yoga is um, being really fucking hard. Really hard and really challenging. And sometimes I look at my yoga mat and I just think, how's one piece of rectangular rubber taught me so much? I feel like that about the barbell. Yeah, it's the same, right? huh? Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because obviously there's a lot of education that goes into becoming a yoga teacher, like a phenomenal amount. Well, there's actually not. That's Are you serious? Thing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how much you guys know and how much I've learned just from going for like the last 18 months. Yeah. Um, understanding more about my body than I, d- I did before. Mm. Um, and learning all the Sanskrit for everything. I'm like, how the fuck do you guys learn all that? It's well, crazy. I think that a lot of teachers, I mean, this isn't true for everyone, but I would say most teachers spend a fair few years teaching, uh, sorry, practicing before they become teachers. Yeah, right. Okay. So they already know a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So you, you pick up a lot, but then to actually become a yoga teacher, it's actually a bit of a issue that I'm trying to remedy within myself. Um, you only have to do a 200 hour yoga teacher training, which people can dance down to three weeks. So, yeah. I can't even imagine how you could be confident with that little amount of time. Mm. And, I mean, for me, I was a PT and obviously I'd studied nutrition. So um, I had a pretty – and I'd been a dancer, so I had a pretty decent understanding of, you know, anatomy. Um, But there's people who come in who have been accountants and lawyers their whole life. Yeah, how would you learn that much in three weeks? Although, I went to – I'm not going to say where it was, but I went to um, a yoga class Mm – um, and the yoga teacher had been a teacher for 30 years. Whoa. Yeah. And I was like, that's fucking cool. Um, but you wouldn't have known it. Oh, bless. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're saying things like arm bone. Yeah. Well, sometimes people just say it. It was know? just, I feel like you can get so much more from the session if you're actually like learning something from it as well. And I think that's why I love your sessions and basically all the sessions that I do yeah. at, the, at your studio because I feel like I'm not just doing something with my body. It's like definitely my mind as well. Mm. And this was just like a really, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> but a lot of teachers who may have been, I mean, I'm a full-time teacher and I mean, there's, there's quite a lot in Melbourne because we earn the cash to be able to support ourselves in a full-time wage. But there's some yoga teachers out there who get paid as much as a group fitness instructor. Um, and as a yoga teacher, we get paid almost double that. Yeah. So um, I'm not saying, like, that's not a judgment. I'm just saying that, like, if you dedicate yourself to being a full-time teacher, if you're teaching 20 classes a week, it is your job to fucking know your shit, you know, and to rock up and to spend time sequencing your class. Well, this is my, my view. Spend time sequencing your class know what you're going to teach, uh, have it make sense, let it be intelligent. And I mean, depending on what type of teacher you are, you might want to then choose to take your, your students through like a spiritual journey as well as a physical journey. But a lot of teachers who teach, you know, not as often, sometimes they don't have the time to do that, you know, and that's not a judgment at all, but they just don't have the time to spend, you know, putting into it. For me, for example, if it's a good week, it takes me two hours to sequence a class and I sequence two different sequences a week. On a bad week, I spend 10 hours. And that's not even like researching all the stuff that I'm going to talk about, like all the philosophy and, 
you know, all the extra learning. That's, that's just physically trying to figure out, does this make sense in a sequence? Um, and this class that I'm teaching at the moment, it's all about the SOAS. So, uh, I, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty well connected to it, but I still wanted to re-teach myself exactly where it innovates and exactly where it attaches and where the origins are and all that sort of stuff. So I can teach from a really, um, really knowledgeable place so that when I'm teaching people to, yes, push your leg back and then reach your arm up or whatever it is, I know that I'm lengthening their psoas. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But a lot of teachers don't have time to do that. Yeah. Or they don't take the time to do that. Yeah. I suppose it's the same as like a personal trainer rocking up to a session with no plan and just kind mm -hmm. of making it up on the spot as opposed to somebody who's thinking, what does this person need? What are their goals? Exactly. Where exactly. are they tight? Where are they weak? How can we improve 100%. their movement as well as actually give them an enjoyable session, right? Yeah. And a lot of teachers, a lot of yoga teachers, they choose to um, do extra education, you know? Um, like this year I'm going to do another uh, 200 and... 75 hours of training um and that's a lot right like that's yeah. <laughs> over ten thousand dollars that i'm spending yeah and some teachers just they don't prioritize that and that's totally fine yeah um but the teachers that you're speaking about who teach at the studio that i work at we all go over and above and we really 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 make sure that when we go out we know our shit yeah you know? i think my my favorite part about your sessions mm -hmm. is the spiritual element and how you bring your own experiences and your own stories to yeah. it because i think that is the authenticity of that and the saying um i'm struggling with this particular aspect of my life yeah and just sharing that the vulnerability of that i think it's you know you, you have a connection with your class with the people in your class and you don't get that from just um everyone down dog yeah you totally. know it's completely different I remember one of the first sessions that I did that you took, you started off with um, a quote, which I'll probably fuck up, <laughs> <laughs> about um, stepping into the fire, yep. and it won't burn you, it will burn what you are not, mm -hmm. and I went home and I wrote that down in my little gold diary that I've got, <laughs> of, of thoughts, of golden shit, and I was like, oh, that's just the best thing I've ever heard, Yeah. Um, and I guess it relates back to what you were saying earlier about the light and the darkness. Um, I guess it's kind of like a similar thing, right? And like not being afraid of what's going to happen when you step into that, either the fire or the darkness, I guess. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just the person I am. I just teach from what's happening in my life. You know? I love that. That's why it's so, that's why it's so fucking good. It takes so much courage to put yourself up out on the line like that. Yeah. For, for example, two weeks ago, I spoke about self-doubt. Because, I remember that. I loved that. That mm, spoke to me a lot. Because I released my retreat. Which is sold out. Which is sold Amazing. out. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I was so afraid about putting my website out on the line and putting my retreat out there because I was positive no one would come. And in the first four hours of it being out there in the world, I'd sold enough to pay off all the costs. So it was just um, fucking mind-blowing to think that people believed in me enough to do that. And I cried a lot because I realized that I don't back myself and I don't believe in myself. So that's what I taught. I, I, I asked people, do you believe in yourself? Because I think the egoic part of us says, yeah, of course I fucking believe in myself. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here, right? But if you really drill down, conditioning has taught us not to. 
has taught us to question everything and it's taught us to um, need validation from everyone. And until we have that, and validation can come through verbal, it can come through having staff, it can come from attention from other people. And, and until we have that, we don't believe that we're worth anything, right? Yeah, it's fucked. I'm the worst. Yeah. In terms of my sport and needing that external validation in terms of numbers, in terms of what I get mm. on the platform, like I need to get a PR, I need to look more, I need oh, to qualify hey. for this, I need to, you know, I've got all these goals and all these things that I want yeah. to do with it. Um, and it fucks with my head so much because I'm constantly questioning, like, if I'm failing, if I'm failing this set in training, how the fuck am I going to lift five kilos more than that on the platform or 10 mm. kilos more than that on the platform? Yeah. And it's just constant self-doubt that just feeds and feeds and feeds. And this is one thing that I'm really trying to focus on, um, just in general, is like, why the fuck do I not believe that I can do this? Yeah. And until I get past it... You know, I don't know. And it's, you know what? That's so hard. And when I taught that class, because I teach my classes about seven to ten-ish times before I teach the second class for the week. Um, And, you know, for the first three or four times, I was really holding back tears because I was like, I'm fucking... Firstly, it's scary as shit to stand up in front of 40 people who will come to your class and say, I don't believe in myself. Like, that's scary in itself. And secondly, to put yourself so nakedly vulnerable out there to say that you as a teacher struggle with self-doubt like it scared the shit out of me right but through doing that not only your beautiful words just now but I had people texting me uh, Instagram messaging me coming up to me after class saying thank you so much for just letting me know I'm not alone because we all struggle with self-doubt right it's the thing that I would say most of us have in common that we all doubt ourselves on some level. And that's why we all wish or want something instead of just being kind of happy with where we are, you know? There's so much strength in that and sharing that though. And as hard as it is, like I write a blog. Yeah. Um, I write a lot about mental health, mm-hmm. um, how I'm feeling. Everything's just super honest, super real. Amazing. I don't really try and make myself sound anything other than the crazy how person I that I am <laughs> um, and every time I go to post one I just get insanely anxious mm. about what people are going to say about me um, you know worried that people will think I'm full of myself or um, I feel you man it's ridiculous it's fucking crazy and, but it's our conditioning right yeah exactly And but you know like you said with people you know saying thank you you've like really spoken to me or thanks for sharing that we're all the same and mm. that's I guess that's why I do it for like the people who do reach out and say I feel the exact same way um thank you so much for making me know that this is fine yeah and you know if there's only one if there's only one person for like 50 people who are just like fuck that mm. you know then I guess it's worth it but it's fucking hard totally. man. And it is really hard but I think the human experience when we all boil it down comes back to a oneness and the more that we can find the connection points between us and how we are the same, the less separateness there'll be. Um, you know, like coming back to speaking about all my friends who have different sexual preferences and whatever, you know, like knowing that they're just people and we're just people or knowing that people who have a different religion or a different race or whatever, we're all just people. And if we cut down the barriers, you know, that I am this and you are that, then all we have is the we are this, you know, we have this shared collective consciousness and this oneness. Um, and another thing that yoga teaches us besides the journey of the self to the self through the self is that we are trying to find that place of integration 
in that place of oneness, whether it comes through aligning the physical self with the mental self and the spiritual self, and we all find that oneness, that divinity, that you know, vertical integration. It's about finding the oneness between you and me and me and the plant and me and the concrete. And, you know, we all have a oneness, a, a vibration and a resonance between us. And that is what coming into the light is all about. Or the dark. <laughs> it's learning that through ever what. The dark. <laughs> <laughs> through ever which way you want to, to subscribe to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think what really helps me in, like, relationships or trying to deal with, especially in an industry where I've got to deal with people all the time and it can be, as you've experienced as a trainer, it can be quite frustrating. Oh, so hard. It can be quite draining. Um, and I'm quite quick to get irritated. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but finding that, uh, that one thing that you have in common with a person um, and thinking, for instance, I have a cat, obviously, yeah. Graham. Where is he? Oh, he's, um, he's on his Sunday pillow. Okay. He's got a... <laughs> On Sunday, he there's a special pillow that he will sit on for like the entire day. I love that. It's weird, only on a Sunday. That's hilarious. So fucking weird. Anyway, um, so I've got Graham. I love him to bits. Um, and okay, so there's a person who really irritates me. Just can't get on board with them. Right. Anything they do, I just like. What the fuck are you doing? This isn't a client. This is just someone in my life. Mm -hmm. um, they've got a cat, mm -hmm. right? And this is the one affinity that I have with this person and whenever they whenever I'm like mate what the fuck is wrong with you I think they have a cat they love their cat yeah I have a cat I love my cat mm -hmm. we're connected by this love for our cats <laughs> and so there can't be a shit person that's it right and so I try and apply this thought to everyone who kind of does my head in a little bit mm. there's got to be one thing like do they have a partner they love their partner I love my partner they can't be a shit person they have you know what I mean I'm finding it quite helpful. Well, <laughs> why don't you take it down even more simply and say, they're walking on their feet. I have feet. Oh, there you go. And I can feel what it, when my heel touches the ground and then the padded part, the ball of my foot and then my toes. And I reckon they can feel that too when they walk. So if we have that similarity between us, we're not that different, are we? Yeah. Or their mm -hmm. heart beats, my heart beats. Yeah. You can always find those ways. And yeah, it is easy to find those things that you talk to people about. But truly, for me, what's been... Okay, so my husband is Lebanese. He's Lebanese and Brazilian. I don't get along with his mum because she's crazy and she's done some really horrible things. But, you know, I've chosen to actively not speak to her for the last six years because it brings too much pain into my life. Um, and that's one thing that I'm almost ashamed of, right? That I can't find that connection point with her because I can do it with everyone. And she went through some really rough stuff recently with her business and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, felt this empathy coming up in me because I was like, wow, like I know what it feels like to feel as if your business is going to fall into a shit heap. Um, and I so know what it feels like to have no money to do anything. And there was this like deep empathy, this connection point between her and I. But I still, the ego, like that stubborn little shit in my brain was like, no, fuck you. She's hurt <laughs> you so many times, you know? Yeah. But yeah. then I was like, no, Kat, you need to reassess this. You know, like her heart, her hurt is your hurt. Just because she experiences it from her, like, perception of what her life has been doesn't mean that her, her hurt is any less hurtful than what your hurt is, you know? And I remember sitting there distinctly in one of my meditations and I just sent out so much love and light to her. And it was the first time that I had allowed myself to do that, right? And it was such a beautiful opening for me and I even now struggle with it in my head because fuck, she's hurt me so bad, like so, so bad. But 
to know that she was in that hurt and that I was in that hurt, again, just showed me that we're not that different, you know? And sometimes it doesn't have to be the cat or the hurt or the whatever. It's okay. just the, the simpleness of the heartbeat or we all breathe the same air or whatever it might be. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful learning. I love that. Mm. I've, learned, I've learned so much from yoga. Amazing. So fucking much. I love it. I'd recommend anyone um, go to someone who knows their shit. <laughs> who can take you on this little spiritual journey mm. where it's not all about down dogs. Yeah. Although I love a down dog. <laughs> so good. But also, <laughs> for those of you out there who have never tried it, um, and you think that it's like stretching, it's not stretching. No. There's so much more to it than stretching. And it's not for posses. No. It's definitely not. I you know, would say that I, through my life, have had strength, right? From dancing, from PT, from being a Pilates teacher and just loving Pilates sick. But yoga still to this day, it, it, my arm shakes and I've got like not small arms, man. And I'm really great on my hands. I can spend hours doing handstands and whatever. But sometimes I'm in a fucking side plank when I tell myself to squeeze my left rib towards my left hip to lift my right, my right ribcage higher and my whole arm starts to tremble you know like it's so it's so physically strong physically physically so demanding so for all of those of you for all those of you <laughs> who have the image of the skinny bitch in a lulu <laughs> fucking nah, nah that is come not along. it that, come along. that is not it at all today in class i had people in a plank that's fine we all know what a plank is for those of you out there who are very familiar with your anatomy, pr protracted scapula, so push your arms apart. And then from there, extend your thoracic spine, right? So there's like almost a lifting of the heart. So protraction and extension of the, of the thoracic spine. Wait, protraction of your shoulder blades and then, then thoracic extension. Keep all of that. And then as you chaturanga, right, which is a push-up, tricep push-up, only 30% of the way and feel your shoulder blades retract but keep the extension through your thoracic spine. Without dipping through your, without dipping that through your pelvis. That fucking hurts when I'm doing right? it to the air uh -huh. while I'm sitting down. And then when you're halfway down, zip your, activate your psoas, pull it up towards your belly button to lengthen your tailbone, squeeze your butt, and then push all the way back up, right, without losing the thoracic extension. That will fuck your shit up. <laughs> that will fuck I hope all of you were doing that in the car, um, on your couch, wherever you are right now. Um, if you can't make it to one of Kat's classes, but you absolutely should. Come um, along. Her retreat has sold out, obviously, because she's fucking legend. Um, but I'm assuming there's going to be more, right? Yeah. Because now so, you believe in yourself. Wow. I, you know what? Even though it was like a raging, not even, I didn't even think it would be as a, as successful as what it was. I still don't believe it, you know, but yes, there will be more. I'm uh, working on a day retreat, which is just obviously one day <laughs> from like eight in the morning till five at night for the winter solstice in, I want to say June. Yeah, it is June. I can't remember if it's the 21st or 22nd. Um, so I'm working on that. And then I've got a lot of workshops and things coming out. But um, what the retreat has told me, let me scale back. So where the retreat came from is when I was on my most recent training in August last year, I, I had this really deep and profound urge to serve. And what I mean by that is what's the point of having all of this great insight if I only give it to people in one hour chunks a week? Maybe they come twice a week. Maybe they only come once a month. Like for me to get people to move through the fire of self-discovery so it burns off what they're not and they step out of every step oh. out on the other side of everything <laughs> that they are, sure. <laughs> I need more time. Yeah. So the retreat came from that. Um, two nights, 
all of you who are coming along, it's going to be a fucking trip. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Um, but yeah, so really it's working with that idea, but then I need to find other ways to drop that in. So I'm looking at doing another, like another couple of day retreat, a weekend retreat rather at the end of the year, but I'm going to do a one day retreat in June. And then I've got some other offerings that I'm like playing with. Um, but you know, these retreats take hours and hours and hours to develop. So we'll just see for now, three workshops in March retreat coming in June. I might have another two workshops that I'm running in May and June, just seeing how it lands with the um, with the studios. But you, if you want to come along, you can come to my new website. Oh, yeah. Check it out, guys. It's fucking cool. I've had a geese. Um, Super it's cute. It's Yep, that's it. So Cat Harvey Barakat. So the cool thing about marrying a Lebanese man is that his name was Bar- last name is Barakat. And I couldn't be Cat Barakat because that's just dumb, right? So <laughs> kept my maiden name in there. So it's K-A-T... H-A-R-V-E-Y-B-A-R-A-K-A-T.com.au. I had to close my eyes to do that. And you're also on Instagram, obviously. On the gram. Yeah, loving yeah. the gram sick at the moment. Good. Loving yeah, I go sick. through stages of it. I've just started one for Graham. Oh, cute. Right? And now I actually am enjoying Instagram yeah. because my own Instagram is more just like promoting this yeah. stuff. And Graham's Instagram is, lol, look at my cat. <laughs> and I feel great now. Yeah, it's hard, right? Fuck, Instagram's a trip. Oh, mate, it's, it is. It's just how, I guess, how you use it. Mm. Now that I've got Graham's, I really am a lot less invested in my own one. Yeah. Um, so it's quite enjoyable now. Yeah. But yeah, definitely follow Kat. Um, she posts some really good stuff. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's just, so, well, Sometimes it's like just a... really nice photos of herself. Yeah, literally, sometimes it is that. And that's okay. <laughs> that's totally fine. It's so sometimes fine. I get deep, you know? Yeah. I question the shit. Oh, same. I'm mm. either real deep or I'm like, look at me post pre-weigh-in with my abs. Yeah, Which right. is like Boom. for one day out of every three months. <laughs> um, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, thank you so much no for worries. coming back. Thanks for having me. I think this was even better than the last I one. I loved it. It was so and fun. I loved the last one, but oh, so good. Super cute. Um, Kat teaches, you teach at a bunch of studios, yeah? Not well, just Kindred Movement. I've aligned it now to Kindred Movement and One Hot Yoga. So One Hot Yoga is in South Yarra. Kindred Movement is in Richmond and Abbotsford. So if you're around there, definitely come check out one of her classes. Yep. Or you can hit me up for privates. Oh, privates. Privates. Amazing. Mm, mm, mm. Um, but you definitely want more than an hour ago, so probably just look out for those <laughs> retreats. Um, have an awesome weekend. Bye, everyone. Do some yoga or just move your body in some way. Yay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>